Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Mike Mulvihill is the executive vice president from Fox Sports and the head of strategy and analytics for Fox Sports. He'll join us in about 20 minutes. Looking forward to that conversation. Ron Jaworski uh, will be here momentarily as we broadcast live from Super Bowl 56 in Radio Row. Outkick 360 rolls on. Some headlines out there. Uh, Major League Baseball, they're going to have the DH. They've announced that uh, league-wide. That's no surprise. Are they going to have a season would be my question for Major League Baseball because the well, lockout that's, continues. That's fair. And um, we're getting close to spring training and parts of spring training not happening uh, with this lockout. DH saddens me, and I'm a fan of the DH, but I think uh, two separate leagues with a, with a difference was one of the things that's unique to the game, and uh, I like the uniqueness of baseball. Manfred uh, announced today um, that he does ex- expect the season to start on time, which right now is March 31st. Well, you better get to work. He better. also said that there would be a draft lottery now in place to prevent tanking. So I guess my Baltimore Orioles are <laughs> screwed. They're incentivized uh, to win. It's all another. Of a th- that's yet another thing they can lose. Yeah, I I'm going to be honest. I, to win. I feel like I know a lot of a lot about sports, and I never really thought about tanking happening in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, with so many draft picks, and even guys you draft are two and three years away from the majors, especially if you're drafting a high school kid, could be four years away. Right. Never heard of a team tanking uh, for a top pick. So that's certainly different. Yep, and so that. That's the uh, the news from Major League Baseball. Um, a big trade in the NBA where Ben Simmons uh, is dealt to Brooklyn and James Harden is on his way to Philly. Uh, that in a big trade today. I don't know. So now, here's obviously Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, two first-round draft picks to Brooklyn in exchange for Harden. So obviously – Philly wanted Simmons wanted out. Philly wanted Simmons out. Um, I did not know that Brooklyn was wanting to get rid of James Harden. There was a story that came out where, and I didn't see the direct quote, but I'm 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 paraphrasing, where Harden was upset that he was not that he was being asked to do more than what he expected he would be doing oh, in Brooklyn. Poor guy. Poor now guy. I, that was not so a direct he wants quote. So to go to Philly and do less. Well, it wasn't a direct quote. No, he he wants to. If he's going to be the guy, at least he knows he's going to be the guy. And I think it was just he was a piece to the puzzle in Brooklyn. And I don't know. I mean, these guys. This is the NBA we're talking about. So ridiculous. The trade deadlines here. That's the big news. But it's not worth watching until you know you get to the conference finals. Well, and and so that's funny. You know, Harden's being asked to do more, and and Simmons doesn't want to take the shot at at the end, so he'll go to the Nets. Not do that. Coming up, uh, we've got. Ron, uh, Tony Baselli, who will be on the show right now, Ron Jaworski, is sitting down with us at our broadcast site. Jaws is with us on Outkick 360. Good to see you. Good to be seen. 
Super Bowl week. Good we're going to get one moment. We're going to get that microphone turned oh, on. Help, yeah, it yeah. will. We'd like, to, we'd like to hear you. I've got nothing to say. <laughs> Still nothing? Try again. Right? Did I break it? There, there we go. Oh, so, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Beautiful People voice. People said they ought to turn Jaws off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you control that. How are you? Fantastic. Super Bowl week. How can that be good? Oh, man, it's it's yeah. great, and it's great to be back on Radio Row, unlike last year, ah, you know? Well, it's been an uneven couple of years for all of us, but it's good to see people smiling, good to see a lot of people here at Radio Row. It's going to be a great game on Sunday. The top trait, what's the top trait that comes to mind for both quarterbacks in this game for you when um, you watch this film? Aggressive. And I love that out of a quarterback. These are not guys that are going to dink and dunk it. If they see an opportunity to rip your heart out with a deep ball or something down the field, they're going to do that. Um, it's caused some heartache for both of them throughout the year. They've thrown some more interceptions than you'd like to see your quarterback throw. But I love that aggressive attitude. You know, we're going we're gonna to rip your heart out, man. You give us a break. We're going down the field. We're not going to dink and dunk it. We're going to try to get you. You know, you, you, Matthew Stafford, obviously with Detroit, didn't win a ton. Um, were you always a believer in Stafford that this could happen, that he could be a Super Bowl quarterback in the right situation? And how much do you buy into a quarterback's ability to win and elevate even in really difficult circumstances like Stafford was in with, with Detroit? Um, I tell you, I have great respect for Matthew Stafford. Uh, and, I, and I did see this type of career for him when he was drafted. I mean, him and Joe Burrow were both the first picks in the draft. So obviously a lot of people thought they had the great, innate, God-given talent, the arm talent, the physical skills to play the game. But not everyone has what, what you need to have, your belly, your heart, and your mind. Those guys have shown to me, especially Matthew through the years, because it's hard when you're getting your butt kicked every week <laughs> and you're getting no respect. You, know, you kind of lose some confidence, maybe even in yourself, but he didn't. He didn't. And I, I have an office at NFL Films, and we have players wired, like, every game. Now, the best thing that I would do is come in and listen to wirings. Some of the stuff will never leave my office because there's stuff I know that never gets out. But we actually put some of this tape out there when he broke his shoulder. You might remember, he was in the huddle after the play, screaming, shoulder, separated, broken shoulder. He stayed in the game through a touchdown pass. I'm thinking, this is the kind of guy... That, you know, this is what a teammate is. I'm going back out there for my guys. You know, I, that's what I love about the toughness of Matthew Stafford. He had the talent, but that's the leadership that when teammates look at that, they go, oh, yeah, I'm following that guy. And Joe Burrow has a lot of those same attributes. I mean, he's a silent, like a little kid assassin. You know, <laughs> you look yes. at Joe, you think, that kid should be uh, playing high school or something somewhere. But, man, the players love to play for him. He's tough as nails. For Burrow to do this much this soon, having missed time last wow. year with the injury and everything, uh, are, are we exaggerating when we talk about, uh, as, as uh, non-players, the moxie and that swagger and that leadership? Or does he have something beyond what a lot of guys we're watching have? Well, I, I think what we normally do this week, we talk about the two quarterbacks that are in the Super Bowl and how many are they going to win? You know, I mean, it's just it's, it's who we are. You know, a couple guys that have great talent, and this game usually does showcase great talent. And some of the guys never get back that we thought would win three or four Super Bowls. You know, there's only one Tom Brady, Joe Montana, you know, that won Terry Bradshaw that won the multiple Super Bowls. It's hard. I played 17 years. I got to one and lost it. It's hard. So we're always going to elevate the guys that get here. But I think clearly, you know, Joe Burrow is going to be around for a long time. You know, Matthew Stafford now has been around for a long time, but with the weapons he has now in L.A., he could be back here real soon again. 
Now, you're a guy who made a living playing professional football and making a living for a long time talking about professional football. Yep. Do you enjoy the Manning cast when you watch those guys yeah, talk, talk with each other about the game? I do. And, and, and because I, I, I had the Monday Night Football seat for five years with ESPN, and I watch Eli and Peyton, it's different. And sometimes we get calling the game when I was with John Gruden and Mike Tirico. Producers you know, try to put 10 pounds of crap in a five-pound bag or a one-pound bag in television. And you get so much that you can't get into the flow of the game and really say what you want to say. Information overload yeah, informa- at times. Eh, good word. Big words. Yep. Information overload. And you got to get all the pre-produced pieces in. you got to get all the stats in. When you watch Peyton and Eli, they're doing what we're doing. They're talking ball. And that has resonated with the audience where they just want to, they don't want to, you know, everything's got to be, look at the shiny object, look at the shiny object. Sometimes they want just a humanization of a game call. And I, I think that's what Peyton and Eli give me. So I, I, I love what they do. Now, you may lose a little bit of track of the game because they bring the guests in and all that, but I think, I think people like just the, the humanization of the way they present it. So uh, one thing that, that I've always thought is the most underutilized play in football is the quarterback sneak. In short yardage. And I'm glad that you watch Manny Cast because I, I want to ask you this question specifically. There was a Rams game, they were, and I think it was in the, the playoff game, and Matthew Stafford failed to convert it twice. I think a third down and a fourth. And then they, he called it again, and Peyton was joking that, boy, I bet Matt really doesn't want that quarterback sneak call again. <laughs> and the second time, he, he was laughing at the attempt of Stafford. Peyton Manning, not known as the most agile quarterback, but he was kind of giggling at the, that what Stafford was doing on the quarterback sneak. So I'm asking you, the quarterback expert, have you watched truly bad quarterback sneak quarterbacks to where Absolutely. you would remove it from the playbook? You know, look, and give us, give us the secret to the quarterback sneak and how it's successful. Don't get hurt, number one. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> because you know what happens down at the bottom of that pile? You know, those defensive linemen see your hands on the ground. Jeez, they may step on them. A little shot to the ribs when you're down the bottom of that pile. I mean, quarterbacks don't like to run that play, except for maybe Tom. Tom Brady may be one of the best quarterback sneak yep. quarterbacks in history. Tom had an act for that. I hate the play. I'll give you a reason why. I'm playing against the Atlanta Falcons, the opening 1975 season. Tommy Nobis is a linebacker. I go up in the air for quarterbacks. I didn't sneak. I went over the top. Tommy Nobis hits me as I'm going up. Drives me into the ground. I separated my shoulder. I hate the quarterback. <laughs> I hate the quarterback sneak. Cost me eight games of that season. <laughs> Everybody thinks of you as a Philadelphia Eagle, and, and rightly so. The bulk of your career Correct. there, your biggest success there. I don't think most people know you were drafted by the Rams right. and started with the Rams. Do you have some affinity for the Rams because of that? Are you a Rams guy in this Super Bowl? Uh, I'm a Rams fan. I'll, I'll tell you that. I mean, you know, when a team... You play for, for four years, draft me out of college, and I enjoyed my four years out with the Rams, although we went to two NFC Championship games, four playoff, and never made it to the Super Bowl. So it goes to show you how hard it is to get to the game. But uh, you know, clearly I'm, I'm a Rams fan. Now, I won't give you my pick yet, but I'll give That's it. That's cool. Are you going to give us a pick? Yeah. I always give you a pick. Okay. I was well, on Pete Rose's radio show about three hours ago. You know, Pete. Yeah, he's not it, taking It's a gaming no show, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you got to give a pick, you know. Yeah, I got the Bengals, 31-30. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with the Bengals, too, but it seems like the vast majority of people uh, are expecting the Rams to win this game. You get that vibe? I don't. I don't. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting feeling. Little, I, I think the, the, the dark horse Bengals team, you know, I mean, they've been uh, 31 years to a Super Bowl. It's a 
kind of the, the Cinderella story. I think the rooting interest is definitely. Yeah, probably Dolphins. that way. But uh, yeah, the, the, the guys that gamble, they're maybe a little sharper than I am. Although I was over 50% this year in my against the spread picks. I, all right. I think we're going to see both quarterbacks play well. I got a 31-30, so yeah, I, I expect yeah. that kind of game. And, and both of these teams rely on their kickers yeah. quite a bit, too. Yeah. But I, I love the coaches, too. I, I, I love their approach to the game. They're, you know, this is, They're not going to be, you know, how many runs do we have? Do we have balance? So these guys saying, hey, how can we attack? It's going to be a pedal metal of the game, I believe. McVay and then uh, Taylor, we were mentioning before you jumped over here, you've got Zach Taylor, the head coach, and he's, of course, coaching Joe Burrow. Yep. Press Taylor's now the offensive coordinator <laughs> for Trevor Lawrence. Yep. And you consider Jacksonville's view of what Cincinnati's doing and the young quarterbacks in this league, they're all in the AFC. Yeah. I mean, well, look at, look, they're stacked in the AFC right well, now. I was just talking to some of the guys in Baltimore, you know, and they took a look at what that division. The first thing you're worried about, oh, my God, we got Cincinnati. Oh, in, in, in no question, Pittsburgh's going to clean their act up a little bit. And obviously, you know, the division's going to be tough every single year. You have young quarterbacks. Bright futures, but you never know. I mean, like I said, we, we come down here every year, we every talk year. about the future, mm-hmm. and you never know. You kind of look to it, say, oh, this team's going to dominate. It doesn't usually happen that way. It just doesn't. But I do like the fact that these young coaches now that we're starting to see in the game, they got a different mindset. I, I, I'm, being honest, I'm an old school guy. I see teams going for fourth down at their 18 yard line, fourth down at the three. They, you know, they all got that Philly special Doug Peterson mentality. I don't give a damn. We're going. We're going to try to win this game. We're, we're not going to try to avoid losing it. We're going to try to win it. So you see these young coaches now. They're aggressive as hell. I like it. You saw Peterson up close. Would he like uh, his chances in Jacksonville, which is a tough, tough job? Well, it's it's a tough job. And if they let Doug coach, he'll be he'll do a fantastic job. They their their problems have not necessarily been on the field. You know, they've been with that front office, the the, the infusion of players and players' talent. You know, you got the quarterback. Now that, that's not even a question. Anyone, everyone at. You don't have to be an NFL analyst to see, you know, there's talent down there at the quarterback position. Now, can you augment that? And, and, and I, I, you know, I was with Doug. I've known Doug since the early 90s, Doug Peterson, when he was with the Miami Dolphins. When he was in Philly, we became very good friends. And he knows how to coach. I was on the committee that hired Doug Peterson. The Eagles brought me in as an outsider to do the interview process with Adam Gase and Ben McAdoo and all these other coaches. And there was intense scrutiny on all of them. Doug got the job, and obviously he performed well, won a Super Bowl championship for Philadelphia, the only one ever, yet he's no longer the coach. And I think a lot of that was, well, whatever. It's another, that's another story. But the guy can flat-out coach. If they let him coach in Jacksonville, they will win. Now, you always got to have talent, and they're probably two or three years away, but they've got money under the cap, and they've got draft choices. And this league now, Cincinnati, is a real-life example that you can turn this around in two years, but you got to get that number one guy first, the quarterback. And they got that in Trevor Lawrence. You want to tell them the book story? <laughs> well, uh, this was a Super Bowl a long time ago, 20 Josh, years, you once 20 lost a book ago, and it, Miami, it was returned to you. And my wife, I was just, we had just started dating. She's from Philadelphia. Big Eagles fan. You were the quarterback of her childhood, not to make you old. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm and, used to that. <laughs> she went to the pool while I was working, and you evidently had a break in your day, and you went uh, to read a couple chapters of your book at the pool. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got distracted or whatever, and you left your book at the pool and she was like you know i gotta get this book back to john so she proudly took the book back to the the desk at the hotel or the concierge or whatever she said this book belongs to ron jaworski can you please see that this book gets back to jaworski so she's always felt like she helped out her eagles quarterback by getting you back your novel i i I thought a punchline was coming you you hadn't finished coloring it yet i i I thought that was the line did you did you get the book or did you just consider it yeah yeah no 
We got confirmation that he got the book. I got the nice. book. Tell your wife. Show me, show me your wife. I got the book. And I was done coloring it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you're now uh, done coloring. You're working out with uh, Handy Jim and Mueller oh, yeah, Sports these, Medicine. These guys are awesome. I'm, this product, I'm grabbing it, guys. It weighs two pounds. NASA engineered. Two, NASA, not me. Not, don't, NASA. Not, don't say Ron's Worski engineered. But you get a complete workout. This, this Mueller, they do great, great work. I, you know, I've known these guys for a number of years. They've always got some awesome products. Two pounds, you put it in your bag, you get a workout in, and I, I worked out this morning with that, that piece of equipment. It's phenomenal. Paul's doing it now. He's doing it now. Look, look at them guns. Get, look at them. Paul got them guns popping hey, out there right now. Now two of us have got compliments hey, on you, our You get it uh, at Amazon. Buses. Go to the handy gym at Amazon.com and order one. It's, it, it's, a, it's a great product. Ed McCaffrey commented on my arms being big, so now Paul's trying to get the same. Yeah. I just That's right. get it. That's right. I didn't solicit that. Yeah. Where is I it? I didn't see it around this show. i got to give him track him down. Yesterday. He was oh, here. Great dude. Yeah. Thanks, you, Ron. You bet, guys. Great to be with you. you. Thank Sportsmed.com as well for more information. And as Josh just told you, you can get the product on Amazon. Just check out the handy gym. Josh, good to see you. Great, man. Appreciate Thank you so it. much. You guys are awesome. Coming up, uh, we talk more sports business when we return. And Cynthia Freeland as well on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Pleased to be joined uh, from our broadcast set here on Radio Row via Zoom, Mike Mulvihill. Executive Vice President of Fox Sports for strategy and data and Nielsen ratings and everything in between. A lot to dissect in the business of sports television with Mike Mulvihill. Mike, good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Uh, Welcome to L.A. and happy Super Bowl week. It is great to be here for sure. Uh, Same to you. Happy Super Bowl week because this is a ratings bonanza. Put in perspective... I mean, we, we had 50 million, roughly, watch championship weekend two weeks ago. That will double on Sunday, correct? It will. I believe it will. I think this Super Bowl is going to do over 100 million viewers. That's traditionally what it does. Last year, it was a little bit below because of the unique circumstances pre- uh, presented by the pandemic. But I think that uh, the game will go back over 100 million this year. I think fairly easily. I think 105 million is a pretty achievable target for them. Uh, it's obviously not only the biggest event in sports, it's the biggest event in media, and I would argue it's the biggest event in American life. Uh, it just doesn't get any bigger or more exciting uh, than the Super Bowl, and it's great for everybody to have a chance to come here to L.A. and be part of it. And there's no shortage of appetite for football in the United States. We see that with the NFL every year, and 
Fox USFL now, hoping to see that in the springtime coming up very soon. How much of it, when, when you're going into the decision of the USFL, when it's going to be played, everything else, do you factor in that, oh, by the way, everyone is watching football and paying attention year-round now? Yeah, we absolutely do. And, you know, we've, we've put some care into that decision of when to launch the league. What's the right part of the calendar uh, to launch this league? You know, the, the XFL and the AAF, they chose to launch immediately after the Super Bowl. We've decided not to do that. We're going to kick off on April 16th, and then our season will end on July 4th weekend. And I think what that allows us to do is give those hundreds of millions of Americans who have an interest in football just a chance to reset. Now, you think about what's on the sports calendar in the next couple months. After we get through this Super Bowl, um, obviously the Winter Olympics are going to run for another week. And in the blink of an eye, we'll be in March Madness, and that will take up the attention of the casual sports fan. And then it's Masters weekend. And then once we get through those big tentpole events, that's when we'll be ready to come onto the scene. And I think we're going to be able to take advantage of what I frankly think is sort of the soft underbelly of the American sports calendar. Um, Certainly there's NBA playoffs there, but those games will mostly run in prime time. We won't have to compete with that head to head. And I think the USFL can really hold its own uh, up against properties that are staples of the second quarter of the year, whether that's the Premier League, Major League Soccer, PGA events, the NHL playoffs. I think we're going to be very competitive with those events. And part of the reason why is that we're going to give football fans that chance to take a break, reset, enjoy some of the biggest events from other sports, and then hopefully be ready for us. We know the Super Bowl uh, is going to rate well in a, a lot, a lot of places uh, nationally. In, in Los Angeles, uh, how much of that do you sense will be related to Rams fans? How have the Rams rated in Los Angeles? How much will a, a Los Angeles rating be, a Super Bowl rating? How much will it be a Rams rating? That's a great question, and th- this is really a breakthrough event in terms of the development of the NFL in L.A. Obviously, the Rams and Chargers have been here only for a few years. Their regular season ratings typically have been, you know, frankly, lower than what we're used to seeing in other NFL home markets. But to now have the Rams in the Super Bowl and have it be here in Southern California, uh, I think this is a breakthrough moment for the NFL in L.A., I think the, the viewership that you're going to see here locally on Sunday, to your question, is equal parts Rams interest and also just kind of civic pride and excitement uh, in hosting the world's biggest sporting event, you know, right here in our own backyard. I really believe that whatever the result of the game is on Sunday, we will see a carry-on effect next year. And I think you're going to see some real improvement uh, in regular season ratings locally because the Rams have made it this far and because we get to host the game here in L.A. We know Cincinnati will be enormous. You're expecting uh, big things in Detroit and maybe New Orleans as secondary markets here because of Stafford and LSU for Burrow? Yeah, 100% yes. Um, the, the rating in Detroit for the NFC Championship game was, I think, the strongest outside of the home markets, the, the competing markets themselves. Obviously, a a lot of interest and enthusiasm in Matthew Stafford finally making it to the big game. And you're right, New Orleans, which is arguably the number one football market in the country, when you think about 
the ratings that they do for the Saints and also the ratings that they do every Saturday for college football and especially the SEC, um, they're clearly going to have a, a high, high level of interest in Joe Burrow. So I think you're getting a huge, huge market in L.A., a smaller competing market in Cincinnati, but a big lift from Detroit, which is still a major market, and you know potentially a 40 rating in New Orleans, which would be on par with the markets that are competing in the game. Mike Mulvihill is Executive Vice President for Strategy and Analytics with Fox Sports. Um, starting a new league, doing anything, if you get the chance to be on uh, network television, that's massive. What does the simulcast offer the USFL on being on NBC and, of course, Big Fox and getting the opportunity to hit the audience twice on network TV on opening weekend? Well, and just so everybody knows what you're referring to, our kickoff game on Saturday night, April 16th, will be a simulcast on both Fox and NBC. It's the first time that two networks have come together and, and done a planned simulcast uh, since the very first Super Bowl. So it's an incredibly rare thing uh, in sports to have this level of collaboration and cooperation. I think we're going to do a really nice number for that opening game. But I think what's more important than that is that 24 of the 43 games that are played in this inaugural USFL season will be on either Fox or NBC. So rather than having to find them on cable or looking for them on a streaming platform, and you know some of the games will be on cable, a few will be on Peacock, but for the most part, people are gonna be able to find these games on the same networks where they're used to seeing the NFL, college football, NASCAR, the Olympics, all the biggest events in sports and you know i'm a big believer a very very big believer that if you go back over 70 years of television history what you find is that easy always wins you know anything that we do that makes television more complicated always fails and anything that we can do to make it easy for the consumer and easy for the sports fan always succeeds and so it's a very very high priority for us to make sure that these games are on the biggest platforms that they're surrounded by the biggest events in sports, and that they're in places where people just know where to find them. Watching the Winter Olympics now coincide with the Super Bowl makes it a little complicated, to, to your point. Wondering about a World Cup that is out of its usual time window because it's in such a hot locale being played in November and December. What are the challenges of that when it's competing with the NFL schedule as opposed to its usual summer window i'm a big soccer guy and i know i'm going to be juggling my calendar yeah it's a great question and in that case the challenge is also the opportunity right the challenge is that the world cup is being moved to um, the, the latter part of the year and that puts it in conflict with the college football schedule and the nfl schedule and so we have to navigate around um, those properties and those conflicts but that's also an opportunity. I mean, clearly at Fox Sports, the fall is our biggest time of the year. Uh, it's not even close, you know, because we have the NFL presence that we have, because we have collegiate relationships with the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, that's really where we make our business. And so for us to be able to move the World Cup from its traditional part of the calendar to a time of year where you know, we're gonna be able to promote the World Cup in Dallas Cowboys games, Green Bay games, Ohio State, Michigan games. I think that's going to be a big advantage to us, and I think it's actually going to be really special to have all those big properties 
sort of intertwine and drive audience to each other for that month. Mike Mulvihill has been our guest from Fox Sports. Mike, always appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you back on again soon, and we'll dissect some more analytics of, of the, the strategy and ratings of football. Yeah, really appreciate it, guys. Love to come back in July and talk about our successful first season of the USFL, hear what you liked, hear what you didn't like, and start getting us ready for year two because this is going to be around for a while. So we look forward to the first season and beyond. Let's do it. Enjoyed it. Thank this you. has been terrific. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Mike Mulvihill from Fox Sports has been our guest. The, the analytics of ratings there for the television markets. We switch gears now and, and discuss the analytics going into Super Bowl 56. Earlier today from NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland stopped by to discuss just that. Cynthia, thank you so much for stopping by. I'm so glad to be in person. It's so much fun. I'm so, so happy much better to be here. than last year. So much better than last year. Way better. Being in person is the best. Like I'm like super grateful. Like I couldn't get in the building, but I'm super grateful I found you. <laughs> I could not line. figure out how to get into this building. Like I got two master's degrees and I can't get in the convention center. So <laughs> we're glad you made. Thank you. What uh, What was the biggest trick to modeling this game for you? You know. It was interesting because both teams have done a lot of things that are traditionally not how you win games. I mean, it's, it isn't often that we see the quarterback who's the most sacked end up in the Super Bowl. Just never happens. And it's also interesting that, you know, the Rams have remodeled their team uh, throughout the entire season. So it was interesting to see, like, how Odell Beckham Jr. really came on sort of in the, in the playoffs. Same thing with Vaughn Miller. Teams are double-teaming Aaron Donald at such a high rate that Vaughn Miller's pressure rate individually has gone up so significantly. So it's just really ch- the changes and kind of the counterintuitive things that have happened to get us to this point that are really interesting, very interesting. Do you start at, like, uh, I sometimes feel like maybe it starts at 25, 25, and then you adjust from there. Is there kind of a common starting point? Because when I see the scores that you come up with sometimes, it, it seems... <laughs> People love when I put 22s in scores, although we've had a lot of 22 scores this year. But what happens is is you start with an average. A 25 is close. It's, there's some fractional number. And then you adjust it for drives. So if a team runs the ball a lot or has fewer drives on offense or if a team has a very leaky defense so that they allow a bunch of offensive drives for the other teams, then it adjusts how many possessions they have. And then each possession then is how, what's the probability of an outcome of a score What's the probability of an outcome that they kick it away? And 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 is that score a touchdown or is it a field goal? Did you see the the prop bet that that guy put out during the championship weekend where he guessed both final scores and parlayed them together? Wow! I mean, I hope this he's, is right up your alley. Twenty bucks into what was it? Like five hundred seventy thousand. No, it's five hundred grand. I mean, that's a great weekend. I, I know. Good for him. <laughs> that's a great good I mean, for life. him. But, so. I saw a graphic that you tweeted out right before the playoffs started. You had all the probabilities yep. of each team making the Super Bowl. Yep. And both of these teams had about about a 6% chance. This is fresh. This is new. This isn't Kansas City or Brady or <laughs> Rodgers. And so when you see the 6% chance, I'm thinking, yeah, both of these teams making it very unlikely. But you mentioned the way they're winning games. We're also not seeing the traditional teams win it the hard way. These are new teams that don't have a lot of structure to them in the postseason. Absolutely. I mean, if you just take the the Bengals game against the Chiefs, 
the second half of that game, every statistical measurement of Patrick Mahomes that we have on record, it was so far below. And it's, it's not Patrick's fault. There were other things that went wrong, too. But just as a, an example that when you close your eyes, you can really relate to. Patrick Mahomes, I, I was like, what, what happened? Like, that, is he sick? Like, you know, is, is it, <laughs> did something, like, what, what went on? Because usually you don't see Patrick with sustained below, below average throws, taking strange chances at strange, and, and even the play calling, like, this, it's just odd. There were some weird anomalies there. So it takes nothing away from the Bengals, but th- these are historic feats, right? Like, you know, the first game with the Steelers, overcoming the most, you know, sacks, ever in a play you know these are these are not things you usually see and then Patrick Mahomes this is the second time they come these mount this historic comeback there's a they're breaking a lot of records but you know what that's the fun of it and they're both four seeds so it's not like you know everyone's like ah, oh, they're a shoe in you know what I mean like no you know having away games are very difficult Cynthia you're our first guest to hold flip-flops yep. as you came and joined yeah. us uh, which is unique uh, is this show a them, contingency plan is this a contingency plan for if you want to take the heels off well I I'm telling you I did not know where to park. There was no directions. So I wore the flip-flops outside, but then okay. I just put the heels on, you know, because we're going we're to class up the joint here for, <laughs> for all these interviews because, you know, I, I, I'm not, I got to come correct. This is a smart play. I uh, this is a very smart play. Had a veteran gift to yeah. give her because she really went out of her way to be here. <laughs> Do you get tired of, and I see this all the time with anyone who is in analytics and, and fans of teams. Uh-huh. They love the math when it benefits their favorite player, their favorite team, and they destroy the math yep. when they hate it, yep. when, when it's, it goes against their team. Right. Do you just understand that now and move on with fans? I go to a lot of therapy. Um, no, I actually do. <laughs> like this um, interview. <laughs> no, no, I, I love therapy. No, Please, but we have a couch over yeah. here. Perfect, we'll, we'll, I can lay down. Tell us, we can, we can tell us everything it. that's bothering right. you. Right, but no, I, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because I think fans are getting really smart. So I actually do notice that I have like a really strong contingency of people who do like respond with really smart things and I, I I sometimes think that that the um, you know the the commentators with the analytics say to go for it or the, whatever that's not always true and it's really about incrementally being better so I'm just like well I'm glad people even care right so I try to like I said lots of therapy you know I'm open to all of this stuff yeah the, the oh, yeah. thing that's come to drive me crazy though this year's EPA yeah and I read pieces after the fact about EPA yeah. about a field goal where the EPA was 2.3. And I can't stand talking about expected points rather than actual points. Right. The field goal provided three points, but we're still discussing that it was potentially worth 2.3 points. Right. Help me come to, to terms with all this talk about what the expected points were as opposed to what the actual points were. I'm going to give you a very unsatisfying answer and that it's – one, the expected points models or any models that tell you win probabilities or whatever, they're very unique to each person. Like my, if you look at my scores and my percentages ba- compared to, you know, someone else's, I, I, I'm more conservative. So like 53% in other people's models is like absolutely big, like that's a tie game. In my model, that's actually a three, a two point game, right? It's, it's a different situation because the expected points added, those are, I'm not entirely sure the formula that they're using. The way that I think is, the and the way that's probably maybe a little better, is what's the time remaining and the timeout situation. Everyone got up in arms at the Buffalo game. 13 seconds, you're giving 13 seconds to Patrick Mahomes. Well, it wasn't 13 seconds. You're also giving the timeouts. You're also, and that, that kick, should they have squib kick? What, do kick the end zone? Like, all this debate. And I, I actually think it was six of one, half a dozen of another. There's no difference in expected points added if you're not going to play the right type of defense to stop them from coming. 
he'd be starting at a closer field percentage, maybe two seconds would get on off the clock, but you still have all your timeouts. So a lot of it has to do with time remaining. So just disregard that. Okay. I'm giving you permission. I, I read a lot of stuff, though, and it's in all of it. Disregard that. Instead, say... You know, you could, and, and each team is a little bit different too. Like that's a standard average. Remember, there are a lot of crappy teams in the league too, right? So that average comes from bad teams and good teams. It's an average. So re, in reality, you say, how many times has Patrick Mahomes gone 60 yards or whatever he needed, right? Or gotten whatever the yardage is to get to the field goal because they have a, a great field goal kicker. What is the potential for that? That's the EPA, right? Not the, not the, I, I don't, I don't know how other people do it. I know how I do it. You can read mine. I'll just give <laughs> yeah. you mine. Right? I'm just going to call And then you. I can explain it. Hey, you're going to therapy. I'm going uh, to go to you. Yes. That's right. <laughs> so our, our show is based in Nashville, so uh, there's a lot Nashville. of talk of the Titans, uh, a lot of talk of Ryan Tannehill. We've never seen a moment where everyone agreed at the same time with his performance against Cincinnati that Titans fans said he's never going to get it done in the playoffs. He's not going to be a Super Bowl quarterback. What does your model tell you about Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback? My model likes Ryan Tannehill. My models think that the strategy that it, there was some weird play calling this year. I, I, and I like your, I like your OC. I like him as a human being, but there were some weird, strange calls that don't like, I want my boss to put me in the best position so that I can do my best. If my boss doesn't do that, some of that's on him. So it's not Tannehill's skill. It's also remember the replacement go out in the landscape, you're going to go pay up for Aaron Rodgers? That doesn't even make sense. I, I would. <laughs> I'd, lo- I I'd love to have Aaron so. Rodgers. I mean, I think most people would, but what, what would you have to give up in order to get him, right? Because the, the, the whole structure has to fit together. So I, I'm not a hater of Ryan Tannehill. I think he can get it done in the playoffs. I think the play calling could use a little bit of help. And call me Todd. Well, he good. did get a little bit of help. They, they hired Tim Kelly as passing game coordinator. To help out, we'll that directly you're, you're fine. Tannehill. You're fine with that yeah. move. You're saying we got to we got to see, right? Like uh, I think if they got to kind of look, I trust Vrabel. He's done a really good job, and you got to trust with it. You got to give it a chance, right? Got to give it a chance. But remember, available substitutes in the marketplace are a huge factor. What 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 are you giving up in order to get what you need? And you've got a mock draft coming out today. Yes, correct. And one of I actually think that it's super unsexy, but I love who I have mocked to the Titans. Well, can you give us a little tease of your quarterback market? You talked about available market for quarterback. Yep. What does that look like from a first-round perspective? So I don't have anyone going until 11. Remember, my fake mock draft is it takes into account potential free agents. But I, I don't – to me, these quarterbacks, the highest-rated quarterback for me is 23. Number 20 – like if I were to – just purely talent, doesn't matter where they go. But quarterbacks will always get bumped because of positional value, right? So – 23 is where I have the first quarterback in in the like the, the my big board right but 11 is the first one that I have mocked and I don't have one going to the Steelers because I think they're better suited to find a free agent that's interesting Cynthia Freeland has been our guest final 30 seconds yeah of the two quarterbacks playing Sunday who do you trust to protect the football more do I have to answer this I'm from Michigan <laughs> my, my hometown so, people will be mad at me. So not. Uh, I think I think Joe Burrow's got something really special, and he doesn't seem to have any fear. The kid had an ACL tear a year ago, and is out there getting crushed, and be like, again, again, like he's he's just. I mean, I don't know. I I've seen. 
And I love Matthew. I'm, I think Matthew Stafford's underrated as far as like, you know, all time quarterbacks go. Cause he had to be a Detroit line, unfortunately for a long time. Uh, but I, I trust, I think Joe Burrow, like he reminds me more of like the Patrick's and the Josh Allen's and the, the, like that, like dog, like he's just not quitting. He like he, very Tom Brady shades on the sideline with that like focus. Right. So I, I kind of like, is that weird? No. Not weird at all. Okay. Not at all. Not weird at all. It's weirder to be a Lions fan. <laughs> not nearly as strange as carrying flip flops around on Radio Row. So that's, that's good. Joke? Yeah, that's not Whatever. the weirdest I, thing you do it next year. Yeah. Next year. <laughs> True. In True. What, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. the air conditioning here, I'll be carrying a scarf around also. Right, for sure. Cynthia Park. Cynthia Freeland has been our guest. Great to see you again. Great as always. You. Thank you so really much for having you. me. And I love coming on with you guys. I love, I got to get to, I got to get to a Titans game. I've never been to one. So I got to do it. I, I love Nashville, so. Our studio's downtown. Perfect. Join, join yeah. us there. Great. Stay tuned. We can tuned. get some hot, hot chicken. Perfect. I love it. Whatever you need. Stay tuned. A lot more coming on OutKick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The show rolls on. Outkick 360 here at Super Bowl 56 Radio Row. Armando Salguero is with us from Outkick.com. Live well. and in person. Look at this. Here in Los Look at Angeles. this. Not even on Zoom. You know, they said traveling 10 people, not enough. We needed 11, and that's Armando right. agreed to come on with us. Well, so. actually, if you ask Armando, we were the 10 oh, after right. the that's one. That. It was him first, was and him then and they others. decided to add 10 that's people. Right. So that's yeah, how we got I, here. I like that. Yeah, story yeah. That's, that's exactly good. how it happened. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Absolutely. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. Good to have you on the show in person. I feel uh, like I'm in the presence of greatness here. <laughs> oh, Dylan and, and yeah. Lauren yeah. right yeah. over there. Yeah. That's, there's some that's, really, there's some really cool exactly people here for I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, great job with your stories. Um, I, I referenced it two days ago on the show. But the Joe Burrow nine-year-old basketball game uh, story was terrific. Um, and the, the homeless issue in L.A. I, I read this morning. Uh, and you went and actually interviewed some of the homeless in L.A. for the story. And I noticed the same thing. Looking out the window of our hotel, there is a city of tents out there. And I know that caught your eye. And not just outside our hotel, but basically every underpass yep. for every highway, basically in all of downtown L.A. and other places in Southern California, you can't get past it. And I looked it up, and apparently... Six out of the top ten cities in America with the highest number of homeless people are in California. And it's just stunning to me because here we are in, you know. A beautiful place. For the Super Bowl. It's L.A. It's La La Land, the land of glitz and glamour. And the deprivation and the, uh, it's just, 
it's sad, really, mm -hmm. because you don't you don't really put faces and and names to those people because you don't know them, and then you go talk to them, and some of the stories that they have, you know, it it, it makes you feel like something's wrong. How did you approach them? Like, uh, hey, you know, I'd, what's going on <laughs> yeah, here? It's a little yeah. awkward, you know. Yeah, no, um, so you know. I'm a Miami guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it we have homeless people, and obviously, I come from nothing. Uh, we were never homeless, but I just approached them like I would hope that someone would approach me. I I went up and introduced myself to people, and um, I got to tell you, there was a couple of folks that were not right in the head. Uh, and so I understand why they've got that situation going on. Um, I, the other people, this woman asked me to pray for her, um, and I did. I prayed with her. She had gotten her bike stolen. This other guy was talking about where he sets up his tent and the strategy for setting up a tent because he doesn't want to set it up by the bush or the hedge that's over on the far side because the guy that lives in the hedge often sets fire to the hedge and it, you know, it burns the tents mm. in the surrounding area. It's weird. It's a, it's almost like a culture within itself. We have a, a break coming up. I want to remind everyone that you can go to outkick.com and read this piece that Armando is discussing. What's kind of the schedule now in the final minute of the rest of the week for you and your coverage for the site? Well, tomorrow it'll be almost like a real Super Bowl pre-pandemic in that we will talk to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams in person, um, distanced, of course, yep. but it's going to feel almost like Super Bowl coverage from years ago before COVID. And so I'm looking forward to that because everything up until now has been on Zoom. And then Armando's got you covered leading up to and through and post-game with Super Bowl 56 as well, with the Bengals taking on the Rams. Uh, we'll get a pick from you later this week, if that's cool. Maybe tomorrow. You can text it. You don't have to come by. You can text it if you feel no, like it. I, or swing by. Let's do it. Let's get the pregame. You don't want to do it right now, right? No, not yet. <laughs> okay. Not yet. Unless you've already – have you already written that? No. Okay, then save We'll it. save it for outkick.com. Yeah. Okay. Armando, great to see you. Thanks. Thank you. Armando Salguero uh, getting it done here in Los Angeles. Go read the piece. Go read his outkick. work at outkick.com. I highly recommend. Absolutely. And uh, continuing coverage on his Twitter uh, handle as well from Super Bowl 56. We're back for the final hour. Actors, Hall of Fame finalists, and more across the Outkick Network.